That's what it sounds like when a 40-something tries to tightening do things with your wrist. something. <laughs> Anywho, we're, <clears throat> we're alive. And we're back. Um, welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat. And I'm Mike. And boy, do we have a show for you. <laughs> Did you want me to say that? That was great. Okay. <laughs> Take two. Boy, do we have a show for you. And go. And boy, do we have a show for you. Yes. <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, um, welcome back to a great episode. I'd like to invite you to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. Also, please visit our new website, middleagesrecovery.com. And we've just got a new feature that we're working on. Uh, it's going to be like, this is your life. It's going to be a place for you to take a contact form on the website. Well, we're not, we're not working on it. You have a guy. Oh, I, yes, I you do. You have a man. I have a guy. Now, listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> Nat has a man in India that mm-hmm. he has had on retainer for various web projects since, uh, what, the early 90s or something? <laughs> we, we go back a long way. He's a really, he's a really good worker and he, uh He's very talented, and he's a better designer than I. I was astonished I to was. find out that you could have such a thing. Yeah, <laughs> this is why we went. This is why I lost my job in uh, in marketing. I need industry, a, a personal know? Indian uh, engineer to. There, to I'm going to tell you, they have whole towns. Um, he told me near where he lives, where um, everybody is on U.S. time. So they're, uh, they literally have reverse hours. So all of the cafes and bars and restaurants are open opposite U.S. hours, but in wow. India. Wow, that's, you know. that's nuts. So that's how big... Drinking um, coffee at 9 p.m. and getting loaded at, at 8 a.m. Yeah, I uh, love... love Uptal. Now Uptal. I'm forgetting. Yeah. Utpal. It's Utpal. Utpal. And right. I apologize for the butchering of the name. Oh, anyway, uh, I interrupted you right in the middle of introducing the new thing that we're going to do. Yeah. So Utpal's got this um, awesome uh, thing going on the website. Maybe I can be more specific. It's like a contact form that uh, gives you a chance to, you know, you leave your name. We'll keep it anonymous. And uh, give us uh, one of your, your recovery story, your using story that, that keeps you sober, you know, the last time you were, you know, had your last drunk or anything like yeah. that. It'd be great to just hear from some of you and um, read it on the show. It'd yeah. be, write, it, write it all out and we're gonna, we'll email it to your boss. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. So um, that is very cool and we're very excited. Um, I just celebrated my... 14th, count them, 14th wedding anniversary. All right, dude, that's and, great. Um, yes. I don't and have a, the applause button. I'm anymore. very, yeah, did you get rid of the applause? <laughs> I got rid of the applause button. Uh, yeah, we've got some new uh, some new things happening on the board here. Um, you know, uh, this was the last, um, I'll call it a holiday type of thing that I had to deal with in October. I think I mentioned last time that October I've got. My mom's birthday, my wife's birthday, my brother's birthday, my son's birthday, and my wedding anniversary. Yay, which is yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday. was my, yeah, of happy course. Happy anniversary to the, <laughs> the happy couple. That's it. We are very happy. 
Um, and it's funny because this, this year, uh, the cards are getting a little sappier than they have been in the past. Um, because you know, at any time I have an anniversary or my wife's birthday, I'm always checking my pulse, so to speak on how are things going in our marriage? How are things going in my life? And, um, and then, so anytime I get to write a card out that is actually genuinely positive and refers to things that are actually happening, not like what we wish, you know, is happening. Right. Uh, things are going good. Good. You know? Good. And so we're uh, going out to dinner tonight and we got a babysatter and, uh, uh, at six o'clock we will be dining. Dining. If you can believe that. Very nice. Even in a post COVID atmosphere, there are such places that you can, uh, eat yeah. and uh, drink water and be merry. My uh, my oldest son's 16th birthday was yesterday. Oh, actually. I didn't know that. Yeah. I should add that to my list of yeah, October, October surprises. stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we went out to Hurricane uh, Grill, which, uh, you know, um, not wouldn't have been my first choice, but no? he's 16. So, you know, wings and and... I don't know, French fries and stuff. I, that place, yeah. I, we somehow know the guy that owns that. It's like my wife's, like, mom's best friend's, like, son or something like that. Do you like get that. a discount? It's the yeah. question. Absolutely yeah. get a discount. We know them that, you know. That place does great. They, they did, you know, they had a, a tent outside, but it was like a hurricane yeah. last night, so that, that wasn't working. It was apropos, yeah. you could say. Yes. Well, uh, hurricane you know, it, wings. and the eighth anniversary of Hurricane Sandy. Oh. Which I always remember the date for two reasons. One, I'm yeah. involved in litigation involved <laughs> surrounding it, and two, my son's birthday. So. Oh, my God. Hurricane Sandy, um, for those of you who are not from around the tri-state area, wasn't actually a hurricane. It was actually super storm. considered as like a super storm, but it did damage like a hurricane and it was completely landscape changing for, uh, those for, of us here on yeah. the, our unmentioned location. <laughs> yes. On the Island, so to speak. Yeah. And, um, I just, I have memories from that cause I was, uh, addicted to heroin at that time and there's nothing more disruptive to an addict's you know, daily grind <laughs> and a hurricane. And not only that, you couldn't get gasoline for weeks. So I, what do you mean you can't <laughs> deliver my drugs? Yeah, <laughs> and, and how do you get out of the house? How do you, what do you tell your wife? Like, where do you, could you possibly be having to go right now that I'm not directly sending you? Yeah. Um, and I just remember like I had the, the gas light on, um, there was no place to get gas. I had to drive about 20 minutes to go pick up, you know, my phone battery was dying because there was no electric. Like, I just thought, like, and then, man, when I picked up and made it back home, you know, in yeah, one piece, you were like I was an like, adventurer, man. You were <laughs> Sorry. like a sea captain. It was ama- like amazing, but I also never, ever want to have to deal with that kind of crap ever again. And yeah. so thinking about that. I didn't man. even stop for a minute yesterday to think of the drug addicts. Like, I, I, what's yeah. wrong with me? Where's my compassion? <laughs> you didn't think about the drug addicts. No. Strange, very strange. But uh, yeah, so on top of that, Halloween is coming up, which I know isn't like a holiday really for, I mean, it is, and it's a holiday. It's definitely um, a good drunk drinking holiday, or I recall it to be one. Yeah, did you Uh, do that as a young adult? uh, From what I can remember, I was drunk every Halloween. I I think we were talking about this last week. I was trying to come up with stories and I can't, it's nothing. I get a, I get a total blank. That's what we call a blackout. I assume if it was the eighties, I was doing 
crack. And more recently, I don't know, taking the kids trick or treating, but right. like those middle years, <laughs> yeah. I, I have no recollection. Yeah, uh, it's fuzzy. Uh, you know, you're I, coming over my house tomorrow, apparently. Are we? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> my social director. Yeah, we're having a that. we're having a super spreader event in the awesome. living room. It's <laughs> great. My wife put together, so I'm yeah, really plan, looking forward to that. Plan on giving a speech in crowd surfing <laughs> um, afterwards. Yeah. So that's socially cool. distanced uh, candy eating. Yeah. Will, will there be booze served? I should ask. Cause Not I, by me. I have to be careful about yeah. the kind of environments I put myself in. I'll pick up some uh, kombucha for you. <laughs> yeah. The good stuff. The good bucha. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, can I get Mexican Coke around here? I'll bring a few. How about I have, when this is over, we go do a little Coke? <laughs> <laughs> Thank hey, you, it's Dr. Dr. Drew. What's he doing That's in there? That's not Dr. Drew. That's no, Dr. Dr. Phil. Phil. Sorry, oh. sorry. Different but that's doctor. all right. We, we would never confuse him if, yeah. if he was in studio, but right. he's not in studio. Right. He's uh, sort of uh, on the air, on the phone with us. Um, and uh, <laughs> we may refer to Dr. Phil for bits of wisdom and uh, commentary on the things that we're discussing. He's the oracle of the board. Yeah, it's actually a major get for us. I never thought Dr. Phil would uh, answer my phone calls, much less um, appear on the show. So uh, this is going to be a big, big change for us. Um, When I first met my wife, um, one of the coolest things about her was she had this amazing network of like friends that she knew from high school. And um, I didn't have anything like that because I had been to a boarding school for most of high school and before that. So like I didn't have a lot of local, very local friends. So when we were dating, she had this like party crazy, Mm. like these people were like, you know, early twenties, you know, they were, they were working on their careers, but they party like crazy. And I loved it. And, uh, and I got pretty heavy, like those, those Halloween parties with all those people, um, I mean, that was where the Coke was, you know, it was yeah. like they had the Coke dealer right. and, you know, I latched onto that like, um, <laughs> like a, a dog on a bone, you know, and, um, those Halloween parties. And I remember like everybody, you know, it must've been 60 people there and there were very few people I didn't see mm-hmm. doing lines or bu- doing bumps or something like that. Did it, did people sneak off to the bathroom or was it just right out in the front? It was, uh, in like, cause there was bedrooms. It was a really right. old house from the 1700s or something. And, uh, so it was like really creepy, but it had a bunch of rooms and she shared it with uh, a couple of family members who shall mm. remain nameless. And, um, you know, when they had this huge Halloween party in this old haunted house, right? you know, uh, we, we go up to the, her bedroom or the bathroom, but yeah, it wasn't out everywhere, but everyone else was drunk. There's like two reasons to go do Coke, like in a little room off to the side. One, uh, privacy and two, you don't <laughs> want anyone else to know that you have Coke. Right. Exactly. <laughs> then they can't ask you for any. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. So those, those Halloween parties and. Eventually, as people started to ruin their lives and, you know, go to rehabs, you know, those parties dropping kind of, one by one. The yeah, parties got smaller yeah, every yeah, year. Yep, yeah, they did. And, um, you know, then we got engaged and um, she magically stopped doing drugs of any kind and <laughs> was just able to say, Meh, OK, time to grow up. We're getting married. And wow, that's to her credit. It, it's miraculous, I'd yeah. say. And she to this day is the totally... I, w- I was going to say normal and well-adjusted, but I don't know if I want to say that. <laughs> she seems normal and well-adjusted to me. Yes, uh, yes, yes, she is. Yeah. She doesn't struggle at all with that stuff. And um, I always thought that that was a, a pretty interesting, you know, way to look at, you know, this dark difference between 
you know, someone suffering with addiction and someone who doesn't suffer with right. that. Not necessarily that we're completely different, but that, um, you know, maybe uh, some can be down that line and some people, you know, yeah. they could do whatever. It's the continuum. It really is. Um, we're just still doing housekeeping uh, because we, we got so much. It's been so long. We did that last show on the road. I that, hope was that was weird, man. Yeah. Thank you for everyone who did download it. It still looks like people are listening. <laughs> but really just as many as downloaded the other ones, <laughs> kind of, you know. So uh, hopefully this is a return to Don't, a sound. See, I was thinking about this the other day because I was looking at my iPhone and like you could set it to download it automatically. So you download it before you even listen to it. Yeah. I, so there's probably tons of people that download, download it, it and then they listen to it and they're like, ugh. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's <laughs> Fuck true. these guys. Those yeah. could be people who have subscribed. I don't right. know how to see how many have subscribed on uh, Apple Podcasts, but we have gotten more ratings. I don't think we got a new written review, but we've got no. 19 ratings. Yeah, um, that's respectable. But, yeah. So we also, we had a hibachi in the Middle Ages. Oh, yes. That was fun. Um, that was, <laughs> it was interesting. It was, uh, how many kids were there? Uh, 10 kids. 10 kids and four adults. Four adults. Four adults. And just yeah. you, yeah, you and Aaron. Right. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> Which I was nervous about at the beginning. Yeah, I didn't quite understand that. I got a call from Mike and uh, usually he's got, a, we've got a few things we can talk about, but this time he had a singular purpose and I thought that was strange <laughs> to begin with. And it was the only thing he was calling about. He was like, hey, um... So are me and Aaron the only two other adults going? And I was like, um, I don't, I think, I'm not sure. I think we invited everybody, but you may be the only two that agreed to go. I don't know. I, you know what it is? It's like, there's, we don't go out much. So <laughs> we're like, oh, I don't know. You know, I don't know who's going to be there. It's going to be weird. And, I know. You know. Of course it's going to be weird. I mean, weird. it was much better that it was just the two of you, frankly. Yeah. You know, I'm happy with no other parents there. <laughs> it was fine I, with me. I, I think you're right. I think it actually was less awkward Yeah. Uh, because we were able to hang back and uh, let the kids go nuts. And um, it was good. It was good. It was funny when the waitress came and was like, you want something to drink? And we were both looking at the menu. You know, our wives got their their glass of wine and we're looking at the drink menu and we're, and we're like, do you have anything non-alcoholic? And she's like, no. Juices. <laughs> juice. You want juice? Apple juice? I'm like, well, I'm not four, but you know. So yeah, I didn't order a Shirley Temple like I usually did, but uh, we ended up... Um, Getting uh, ginger ale, ginger ale, which uh, was my grandmother's favorite. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so I that guess was, when you get into the Middle Ages, you start with the ginger ale. And she always complained. Sarsaparilla. She always complained it was flat, no matter where we were. Most, it's flat. It usually is flat. <laughs> Nobody drinks the ginger ale except for eighty-year-old yeah, women. Comes out of a dirty gun, and, and then uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's it's very sanitary. Um, the point wasn't the uh, the drinking. It really, it just kind of passed right over my head, the thought, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. looking at that drink menu from the uh, hibachi place, um, it just reminded me of when I was, you know, I used to go to these uh, Chinese restaurants and if I was like with my brother or a friend, we would always order like the scorpion bowl. Yeah, right. You know, where yeah. it's, it's Some, a huge bowl of, you know, like a Mai Tai type right. of thing with two straws. And yeah. like, so there's two grown men looking <laughs> at each other in the eyes well, while they're sipping scorpion it, bowl. It's funny you should say that because Aaron told me when we got home, 
you know, because you and I like, took a couple selfies. And yeah, her, her and Christine were like, look at those two idiots. Like, look, <laughs> like we would never do that. Like, no. look at them taking selfies oh, like a couple of girls. They would never okay. make duck faces and selfie yeah. each other. Well, I know? wasn't making a duck face. Maybe you were. I, I was mean, thinking of it. Yeah. No, those are just my lips. This is what my lips look like. <laughs> I don't know. That, that was funny that they noticed that because they yeah. thought they were just talking. But they, no, they, they noticed things. They, they noticed notice everything. They yeah. Got. They, uh. <laughs> My wife was more excited than I was that she found out that you liked Faulty Towers like me. <laughs> ah, great show. She's great like, show. Oh, he likes Faulty Towers. Yeah. It's it's real. It's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's, right. You know, it's, it's it appeals to a certain person, I guess. I don't know. That Monty Python, you either get it or you don't, mm-hmm. you know. And, you it's know. true. And then Faulty Towers uh, with... Um, Basil, yeah, Basil Cleese, Faulty, yeah. which is John Cleese. Yeah. Of course, Basil right. Faulty is fictional. Wasn't uh, based Terry on a real Jones character. like one of the writers on that show? Which one also? was Terry Jones, the he wife? Was, uh, Manuel? Oh, I'm sorry, not Terry Jones. Um, the guy from Monty Python who did Brazil. Oh. This, the one who did all the animations in the original Monty Python. I don't remember. Uh, I don't know. It's who killing else. me now. Terry Gilliam. Maybe. I kind of remember seeing the name. Anyway, sorry. I don't want to geek out on Monty Python. We got a lot of ground to cover Yes, we do have a lot of ground to cover. But but you should talk about that dad who came early to pick up his kid. Yeah, so... That was interesting. I noticed that too. Yes. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, One of the kids who I actually don't know that well, but seems like a really nice kid, uh, just because from when I hear him talking to my son on on FaceTime or whatever. And uh, so his parents showed up. They seemed like really nice people. They were a little early. And I said, why don't you come in and hang out if you want, you know, get a drink. I was right. fine with, you know, whatever, buy, you know, get him a drink. And he just gave me this look like, oh, no, like you don't want me to do that. Trust me type of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just going to go. We're going to hang out by the bar. So he, his wife and their little girl, who was about four, left the, um, the hibachi room to go to the bar and mm-hmm. hung out at the bar while he was like slurping down <laughs> um, martinis, I guess it was. Yeah. It's in that Cosmo glass. Yeah, that's, that's a martini, I think. And I'm really, really doing my best to not be judgy dad. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> um, the very fact that we're having this conversation means I'm not succeeding at that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I had to, I was noticing, because you notice these things. I mean, I think you, you guys out there, you know, once you stop drinking, uh, you notice what other people are drinking, how often they're drinking. Cause right. you, how me, many drinks the guy's having right. at the bar while he's you know, waiting to drive his kid home. Exactly. And it's a form of obsession, but <laughs> yeah. sometimes it just gets me through the night. Um, bit of an amateur though. If I were him, yeah. I would have gone to the bar first, yeah. hit one martini down, then went into the room. But he had see? his wife and little girl oh, with yeah. him. So he was, yeah. that kind of cramped his style. You yeah, could tell right. he was annoyed. He's like, just go to the bar for a while. Was she uh, <laughs> drinking martinis too? No. No. That was uh, another thing that interesting. stuck out. And think they're going to stay together? A hundred percent. I think, I believe in love. Yeah. Who and, knows, uh, right? I, I mean, believe they'll be together. Nice guys though. I'm, I was actually happy to meet them though. He didn't like make an ass of himself, but I just thought the extra drinking was a bit strange, but who knows? Who knows? Well, but uh, you know, I, I could easily see myself in that guy's shoes like a couple years ago. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. It, have, uh, it sounds like something I would have pulled or, or some variation but, but of that. But for the grace of God, go I. Their butt, for the grace of God, their butt. Their butt. Their butt. What are we talking about their butt for? Whose butt? My butt. And um, one thing I used to do uh, in restaurants when I was with uh, my wife or family and I wasn't drinking, quote unquote, I would, if the bar was on the way to the bathroom, mm. I don't know if you'd ever do this. I'd order, I'd be like, <laughs> two shots of tequila. I go to the bathroom by the time it's out. 
I plunk down like a whatever it is, a 20 or something, keep the change, slosh back the two um, shots, and then get back to the table. I have done things like that. You know? <laughs> I was did it a lot at work conferences. I would make additional trips to the to the bar yeah. uh, to kind of <laughs> lubricate myself. I noticed that you abbreviate your wife's name Xteen, like like it like Xmas, right? Like so Christ, 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 Christ. That's okay. You know the name is derived from right. Christ. Mm. Christine is really just a feminization of the Christ, right? Lord and Savior, <laughs> a saint of some sort. <laughs> and, and no matter how you slice it. See, I've heard him referred to as Saint Jesus. I always think that's funny. No, I was talking about your wife being oh, a saint, yes. Saint Christine. Uh, yeah. I, I yes, I call her Queen Christine. Um, when we're playing outside the Swords and Dragons, I said, we have to go back to Queen Christine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so moving right along. Um, we're staying on the outline today. This is pretty good. This was a good Usually outline. Usually we drift away from the outline. Yeah, well, we have a lot on here. There the, is a lot. Uh, Mike's Home Gym. Um, this probably isn't worth mentioning, but I'm going to do it anyway <laughs> because this is Recovery in the Middle Ages. Right. Um, I had these really, I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking. Why don't you walk us through... What happened? Well, it's it's not a really scintillating story, but I borrowed a couple of dumbbells from you and I brought them back to my garage. And that's what happened. And, and that I, was well told. I yeah, think thanks, everybody could follow thanks. that. Um, yeah, but... Have you used the, them? Uh, no, but my son has. I use the barbell. And what does he say about them? He likes them. They're cool. They are cool. They're those ones where you dial uh, the number for the weight and then it it's automatically sick. changes the amount of weight on the dumbbell. It's great. Yeah, it, yeah. it does a bit, just about everything except um, drink Gatorade and eat protein mm -hmm. bars. I worked um, out today, actually. And uh, yeah, so Mike has good. been threatening me with uh, setting up a time, like exercise. And you maybe, should come over. I have I this stuff in the garage. It's a ready setup. Well, well, is, it, is, come over. is it warm in the garage? No, but I got a propane heater. You Are you calling me a pussy? You should be because I that's mean, what kinda, I would call me. Kind of. <laughs> that's what I would be saying you know. right now. So that, that I, may be I, I mean, it's only like, it's 40 degrees out. It's not, you know, four degrees. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. Maybe. Yeah. Let's do it. Didn't I mean, you used I'm to, gonna... used to be like some kind of Jack steroid <laughs> freak. I, I wasn't exactly a freak. Um, I did, <laughs> I did experiment with steroids. I should. I should add, um, I feel like that's a really long and interesting story, but um, <laughs> right around the time it's that- another drug to inject. <laughs> no, right around the time that uh, I, I was out of college and my I had a company that I had started, this internet uh, marketing and lead generation company. I know that doesn't mean anything to most of you, but- I fell asleep just listening yeah. to you talk about it. <laughs> Needless to say, <laughs> uh, it, it did really well and it happened really fast after, after college. Um, and um, I was just making good money and I had, I had nothing, I had nothing to pay for really. I, I mean, I didn't have a lot of bills. I was like 22 or something, 21. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, God, it's a long, and I, I got into cocaine pretty heavy once I met the dealer uh, through uh, meeting my wife's friends and stuff like that. And um, incidentally, they were all on steroids too. And I was already really into working out just naturally. And when I started to see what these guys were starting to look like after a quote unquote cycle, I'm like, I, 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 I got to do that. I'm like, <laughs> I would be stupid not to do that. Right. And, um, and the idea has always appealed to me. Like, it, it's great. I mean, it was great, but it, um, it does a lot of damage, I think. Yeah. And, um, I definitely would never do it again. Um, but, 
between that and my cocaine addiction. Were, were you doing steroids and coke simultaneously? Yes. That seems... 100% of the time. Not very smart. No, none of it was smart. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll concede that. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it was a deadly mix of, you know, being hyped up on... Uh, on steroids, and then uh, I would get an eight bowl of coke, and then I would work from home after, you know, <laughs> work from home, yeah. right? And um, and that was rough. And that's kind of actually, I was thinking about that—the start of my descent into, you know, just depravity of drug addiction and throwing my life away, selling things to buy drugs. Like it, it all started. It all started in the gym. It it kind of did. And sometimes I get confused, and I think about well, when I was in high school, I I experimented with Adderall and. Um, uh, psilocybin and acid and but I don't feel like my addiction got like the darkness feeling mm. like that it was like I was almost possessed um, well, you're still, you were still having fun there was you some know? fun to it and then it started as a lot of people can attest to it gradually degenerated into I want to be alone and do it and mm. I'm lying about it and well, then it's not fun anymore. N- no, it completely ceases to be fun. So the question is, why? Why wouldn't you stop? Why are you? Would someone keep doing this to themselves? Even it's that cognitive dissonance, knowing that this is bad for me. I don't want to do it, but here I am doing it. Well, you're addicted. You have neurological pathways <laughs> that have been rewired to uh, to do that thing over and over. You have uh, chemical dependency on alcohol. I yep. mean, there's all kinds of... There's know. tons of reasons. I mean, I guess if we knew the answer to that question, we wouldn't even have a podcast. Well, we? well that's true. Uh, but uh, a very, very poignant quote that I got from somebody sitting in a group somewhere was, um, uh, it, the, the saying was, if you... If your house is on fire, you don't wait to figure out who started it or why. You just get out of the mm-hmm. house um, good, right away. Good and, quote. And it's perfect. Like, and if you want to look back, if you take that a little further, um, you know what? You can actually do an investigation as to how the fire started once you get out of there and save your life. That's an excellent metaphor because, I, you know, a lot of people don't do that. They go right. They go right for all the... Trying why to did it happen? Dig into the brain and try yeah. and find out the why when sure. you really just need to stop the, the I, bleeding. Yeah, and I was were. guilty of that. Were you yeah, guilty of, course, of that? Sometimes of I'm still o- overthinking it all constantly. Absolutely. And I, I hated being told you need to get stupid to make this work. Yeah, I never never liked that. You know, I, I get what what they mean by that, but I wasn't looking to not think. Um, and then they'd say, Well, had that working out for you? And of course it's working out horrible when they're asking oh, that. Yes. <laughs> but what a terrible thing to, what a terrible thing. How's to that say. working for yeah. you? How's that working Dickhead. for you? Dickhead. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, uh, anyway. I don't know. So, um, then this kind of all leads to, I'm going to skip down to this really, really big subject. Um, Mike brought up, I think last week, uh, when we were talking, it's called imposter syndrome. Yeah. And um, did we, oh, did I write it down? Because um, the imposter, the, the egomaniac with an inferiority complex Well, is the way I started right. I mean, talking it's, about it. But re- what is it really? Really, it's sort of, it's, it's like feeling like a fraud when you're doing, trying to do something, right? Yeah. Like you could be the most accomplished lawyer or whatever. And yet you walk into a room and you feel as though you're, you, you're, you're lying to everyone and lying to yourself yeah. and you're nothing. And you, you have no ability to do the things sure. that you're supposed to be there to do. Um, and it, it's a, 
it really cripples your self-confidence and, uh, um, you know, it's a it's a big problem. And, and, and a lot of people in, uh, recovery and who have addiction issues, this is a, this is the, a big thing that happens because your self-confidence is shattered. You, yeah. you know, for years of, of lying to yourself, lying to other people, sure. you know, and, and this is just like a manifestation of that. Yeah. And, uh, when I, when I read the definition of it, which I conveniently forgot to put in the outline that I wanted to read, but I think we get the, the picture. But when I heard that, I said, wow, that just explains me to a T. I mean, um, almost in every area of my life, uh, currently and growing up, I was always feeling like uh, I, was, I was not as good as either someone told me or I, even as good as I thought I was. I was, I was constantly questioned you know, uh, whether or not I'm going to be, and then I'll be found out. That's that right. next feeling. Exactly. And so I just Googled the definition because, uh, it's probably good rather than my word salad. You can, mm-hmm. I can actually read it. Imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Oh, yeah, that is right? it right there. Yeah. Exposed as a fraud. That's it. I mean, literally in every, probably every aspect of my life, people are going to find out, um, you know, like I'm just not who they think I am, you know, even though I try and be like nice and welcoming, like at all times with my customers and people I meet. I feel like, man, if they only knew me. Right. If they, if they only, only knew. knew. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, and, and it sort of feeds an addictive spiral because I remember when I first started practicing uh, law, um, you know, I had no idea what I was doing and I would be shoved in these courtrooms and have to argue with judges and people who <laughs> had 40 more years experience than me. Right. And it used to make me so nervous that I would just get drunk like the night before and I would show up with half a hangover on and just, and I'd be trying to fake it. And I'm like, everybody knows that I don't know what I'm doing. Everybody knows that I'm hung over, you know, and I would just go out and do it like over and over and over again and again and again. And, you know, it, it wasn't until like, you know, a good year after I stopped drinking really like, like within the last few months, I just started feeling like, like I finally have confidence in my abilities again, not maybe as a lawyer because that kind of stuff, you know, eventually, despite the fact that you're operating in a diminished capacity because of the drinking or the drugs, you, you, um, you kind of, you pick up stuff anyway. Right. Right, But for me, like you, like, you know, I took me 13 years to get my undergrad degree and I failed out (laughs) of like more colleges than, you know, I, 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 yeah, I'm on that path. I went to (laughs) eight colleges, I think. Nice. You know, I just, I would go to one, I would start as a non-matriculated student. I just fail out I go to the next one and eventually, you know, you'd run out of them in the area yeah. that you were in, you know, and that to me, like, was really an issue. Um, I felt like a, a total failure for yeah. years and years. Yeah. And I can relate to that too. I mean, the fact that I'm, I'm finishing out this college degree that basically has no like immediate job consequences either way for me. Like, you know, it's one of those things ever since I, um, I basically dropped out of college, um, a thousand years ago. Uh, and like, I, I was planning on going right back. I just, I got this job opportunity that sounded interesting and it was a learning thing. And I'm like, I'm just going to try this. Mm -hmm. And that spiraled or that evolved into me owning a couple of businesses that were actually successful. And like, so as that happened, I started getting my life together 
And then, but always in the back of my mind, if I had a job, if I, if I got a, a new client, I was like, they're going to find out that I never finished college. Mm. And then after, you know, 10, 15 years of doing that and I got pretty high up, I was a chief marketing, marketing officer for a financial company, um, marketing director. And then I was running my own consulting company and I had meeting with clients and I was like the point man. And, but in the, and I, I knew I was good at what I did, but I also had that in, inner like fear of being exposed. Like, right. not, you know, this guy didn't even, you know, he doesn't even have an undergrad, you know? And, um, and that's part of why I'm, you know, trying to resolve that, you know, you know, what's weird about that though. And, and you know, we both suffer from that same, it's grounded in that same, thing with college it's like kids today don't have that because college is sort of like high school yeah well well or it's um it's very expensive not everybody's going there's you know the people who are in charge (laughs) sorry people who are in charge (laughs) (laughs) am i scratching myself is that bothering you (laughs) this is a man it it feels like college is just not as much of a big deal as yeah. it was maybe to our folks and our generation when the expectation was raised yeah. in the in the environment that we were, that that was the path to, to was success. The most and if you didn't thing, have yeah. that, you know, you were somehow lacking, you know. Sure. I, I, Absolutely. And not only that, you, I would get my, uh, my mother's father, he uh, owned a pharmacy in a na- nearby town. And uh, he was also a, a war hero. Um, he was a, a medic <laughs> in World War II. Um, and, uh, so he, he he told my mom at some point, uh, you know, that your education is the most important thing and um, nobody can take it away from you. And she would repeat that to me mm. as a child. All that She still repeats that to me. <laughs> you, know, you know, grandpa said, and I said, yeah, I know, but that really stuck with me. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't think, you know, that no matter what the education portion of your college degree to my parents and my family was the most important part, not a job training, you know, that they wanted a liberal arts, you know, education for me or a classics. And, and that stayed with me. Which, which is kind of, you know, crazy because there's plenty of people out there who are making a great living uh, as a, more money than me as like an electrician sure. or, you know, right. And any, any of the trades and Cause it's know, about education, it, not job training. Right. Well, I mean, I've kind of taken the opposite tactic with my kids, yeah. you know. Well, that's I, how I'm going to, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not feeding in their ear that if they don't go to college, they're going to, you know, be a failure because I know what that does to someone's self-esteem. Absolutely. You know, first-hand experience. Um, yeah, and you're closer to yeah. college for, with your kids than I am. You just sort of nudge them in that direction. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, I, and I even said that because a couple times uh, my son was talking about, I don't want to go to college. And I said, oh, no, you don't have to go to college, you know, but you might want to, it's going to sound, it's a lot of fun and you could learn a lot and you know, you don't have to do stuff. You necessarily don't want to study, like do a little bit of that, but I'm trying that same thing a little bit hands off, not like over the top, like my parents were, uh, because look what happened. You know, I'm still going to school. Yep. Uh, I was, uh, considered a failure in the eyes of, uh, certainly my mother until I had gotten my degree and my second, when I, once I became a lawyer, then she stopped bitching at me. That so. <laughs> <laughs> shut him up. You know, I was thinking that if I, if I actually, and I had designs on going to law school for some time. And then before uh, my DWI completely derailed my going to college just because uh, I absolutely couldn't get anywhere or do anything. Even when I had the car, I, I had so many um, 
required things to show up for per week, you know, mm-hmm. it was insanity. I couldn't, uh, so I had to stop, but well, the there's be- always a future. The best be- part of, uh, getting admitted to the bar is that you have to go through this character and fitness committee. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Where they, <laughs> uh, in my case, it was strange because there was, I, I was practicing, I was a lawyer for the city and I was practicing under a practice order, which meant I didn't necessarily have had to have passed the bar yet or be been oh, admitted to the bar to appear in court. So the guy who was um, assigned to interview me uh, to ensure that my character was up to snuff for the legal profession <laughs> was a, a guy that I appeared with as an adversary in court all the time. Okay. And so, and, and you would think that he would just kind of like, you know, rubber stamp it, but no, he was a dick. He was a dick. He went through every little thing, you know, <laughs> he, I was, I was just 30 days behind on my Amex bill because, um, I had no money and uh, he made me get a letter from Amex saying, so talk about fucking with your self-esteem. And then next time I'd see him in court, I'm like, fucking asshole. asshole. That's so messed up. That's the legal profession though. Full of assholes. I I was trying to find out if I could still, you know, become a lawyer and take the bar exam without going to law school, which there used to be provisions for that. I think you can still do it in New York. Uh, You have to intern somewhere for like, a bunch of years. Right. And, yeah. Which, you know, is, would be possible in my circumstances, except yeah. basically, um, my parents law firm is pretty much not operating anymore. They're, yeah. they're working from home and 77 years old. And, um, I think it's time for no, them to nothing like spending three years with your dad telling you all about the law. <laughs> huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. I spent some time working recovery jobs at that firm as a, I learned how to be a paralegal. And so whenever I was coming off of uh, getting out of rehab or out of jail, which did not happen a lot, but uh, it happened a f- couple of times. And um, that's where I would retreat to, you know, and I had that kind of, that's something that a, a lot of people do have, uh, but a lot of people do not have. And, and there's always that question of how much did my parents enabling um, make make it worse for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I try to think of it from a perspective of me being a father and my son and what would I do? So I don't know if, if those, the fact that they were, you know, wouldn't let me, you know, degenerate into total poverty, you know, um, was that a good thing or were they too supportive? I mean, I don't know. Plenty of people who have supportive parents like that don't go on to, you know, do what I did. Right. Um, but some do. Right. You know, I, so, what, so there's no answer. It's just no like, answer. who knows? Yeah. My, my parents, once I failed out of a uh, expensive college for the first time, they cut me off financially and I had to kind of make it on my own. Which, and did that help you or make um, your life worse? It, it, it taught me a lot of great life skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and it taught me how to manage my addiction while still paying rent. Right. Which I don't know. Is that, was that a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's tough. I'm, yeah. I'm listening to a book by Cameron Douglas, who is the famed grandson of Kirk and son of Michael Douglas. Right. From such films as um, Ant-Man. I'm sure there's better. And Romancing <laughs> the Stone, my uh-huh. favorite, was Michael Douglas. So this Cameron Douglas uh, book, it's just a story of a very privileged, entitled, good-looking kid, son of, you know, massive celebrities. And how, how come he fell so far? How come in his words, um, 
Issa, the jail essentially, and he did a lot of time. The jail essentially was the thing that quote grew him up. Mm. Um, and, um, I think that's, that's crazy to come from such privilege, you know, but you know, we, we say that sometimes, Oh, he comes from such a good family. How could he fall into addiction? I don't think one thing has anything to do with the other necessarily. No, you know, it, it's so, you know, all over the map, but the story, it's called the long way home by Cameron Douglas. I highly recommend it. It's a long book. Um, it's good for, uh, an audible download, but, um, in, you know, he's got, he got it, you know, way, way harder than, than I did as far as, you know, no matter what happened, he had a swanky apartment and, you know, a Beamer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, who knows what it was like growing up with Kirk Douglas as a father. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, Kirk was the grandfather. Oh, the grandfather. So yeah. Right. Oh, it's my, the son of Michael Douglas. Yeah. Okay. Right. So he's like, my, right. he's like 40. Uh, you know, you like to think that Michael Douglas didn't put any unreasonable expectations on the kid, but the, but, but his kid probably put them all on himself. You know, I mean, there's that, there's always that desire to do better than your father. And, uh, you know, if you yeah. fail to do that, then what, what does that do to your psyche? You yeah. Know? And, and I, I relate to that somewhat because my dad is not, not just a successful attorney. Uh, he's also, you know, uh, he's a pillar in the community here. You know, he's, um, you know, they, they're on every board, you know, the, the boys and girls club, you know, mm-hmm. my, that was, my mom was on the board when they were trying to get money for it. And she got money from like the guy that owns the Knicks cause she knows them. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like, so she was doing that. She was on, um, double day, the, well, the, the old, the um, old people center. I was trying to call it something better. Senior center, the old you people know, center. so they, they're like known for, you know, all kinds of doing good stuff and they're successful. And you know, there's, there's like the only scandals happening are in my life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so trying to, you know, live up to the, that kind of shadow and, um, well, you're your own person too, though. You, you can't hang that around your neck and easier said yeah. than lived. You yeah. Know? Of course. Um, but now I, I, I'm definitely, I've come to terms with, you know, the, the good things that I can offer as a, father and a husband are completely, you know, outside of the domain of whether or not I'm as good, quote unquote, yeah. as my father. You're and, writing your own story, man. You it's know, it's not their story. And it's, it's like, I just try and measure success with the relationships that I have with my parents and with my wife and my brother. And from, from the way it looks to me, things are going well. Um, everybody communicates well you know, there's not a lot of resentments hanging over me. Thank God for everything I put people through. And, yeah. you know, I did some amends as per, um, my step, uh, my step work. Um, and I feel okay about it, you know, good. And, but that all adds up to, you know, in the imposter syndrome, it's kind of all part of that. And the reason I brought up Cameron Douglas is because talk about imposter syndrome. That was his whole shtick was he's doesn't deserve all the things he's got. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he gets opportunities before he's gets sober that are insane that nobody else could possibly get because of his name and he sabotages it. And until he's been totally ground to the, to the, to the ground, to the ground, surely ground down to, to dust is when he finally gets it. And finally, you know, so far, He's been doing really well, and um, like a phoenix, he, like he a rose phoenix. from the ashes, yeah. and became an actor. 
What's he doing? I don't know. I, I can't seem to get a, a real good update on like he's published this book recently and uh, I think he's well, trying he's out author. for stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a long ass book and yeah. he reads it too. And at first he's just got that kind of like annoying, like douchey Beverly Hills <laughs> kind of like accent. Right. He's like, so I was um, going to the gym and I had to smoke a rock and um, a little Pauly Shore maybe, but um, I got past it and yeah. it was a good book. Good. Yeah. Right. Highly recommend it. We should, what link we should in do the is show notes. We should have a link and if you get it through there, maybe we could help the show out a little bit. Oh yeah. Do that Amazon affiliate thing. Mm. Yes. Um, or Audible. All um, right. Moving right along. I have such a long uh, outline on this um, that I've lost my place. Oh, you know, all the other things. Look, we, we, we made a lot of... Uh, bullets here on imposter syndrome, all the things like if you should see how fast I wrote the list of everything, I feel like I'm not like good enough at, <laughs> you know? Yeah. that stuff comes uh, more easily than the list that you would make if you were talking about your good qualities. Yeah. I mean, is, you know, that's pretty much everything that goes on in my life. I feel like either I don't deserve or, uh, you know, I didn't earn it or I'm not as good as people think I am. That's, that's me. To well, a T. just to, Square the circle? Yes. Is that what the expression is? Round the circle? Anyway. Circle gets a square. um, So I was listening to um, a podcast this morning. It was uh, This Naked Mind. They do a a podcast. Uh, You know, you've heard us talk about the book before, Annie Grace book. Um, She should pay us for all of the... uh, (laughs) It's all this free content. (laughs) I'm going to try and get her on the show. And uh, I think I I can. I'm I'm visualizing Annie Grace sitting in the storeroom with us. I believe in you. I do. (laughs) Anyway, uh, once a month, instead of doing an interview with uh, someone that's um, just, you know, alcohol free through her program, uh, she has one of her, she has a coaching program and she has one of her coaches, this guy, Scott Pinion, and he comes on and he answers reader questions. But today he had uh, um, one of his co-coaches on and her story was interesting. She was only in her late thirties and was diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver. Wow. Yeah. And she said that she wasn't really much of a drinker. Um, you know, I mean, she was, but she wasn't like a hardcore drinker. She was, you know, on, on that, um, like two or three a day yeah, or something. on the continuum. Right. And, yeah. and you know, that brought her obviously to a screeching halt with the drinking and, and so on. But, uh, um, but her story said that she started drinking because of anxiety and the anxiety that she had was, was grounded in this imposter syndrome mm. mentality. And it got me thinking about anxiety and how people try and cure their anxiety with alcohol. And of course, makes it worse. It, it makes it worse. That talk about a negative feedback loop, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you drink to stop being anxious and, and really it just creates more anxiety. Um, you know, so you have the, you have the marketing, which is all pushing you to drink because it's easier for you to relax yeah. and have all these, uh, you know, benefits. And really all it does is give you cirrhosis to the liver at 35 yeah. and, and not cure your anxiety. <laughs> no. And it makes you thirsty. Yeah. Um, that's one of the, uh, <laughs> the revealing facts about, uh, alcohol when, uh, in, in her book, she uh, talks about how, you know, they say it's a market. It is refreshing. And, um, really it doesn't quench your thirst at all. The reason it makes you pee is because it dehydrates you. So after you've you drank one or two, you're thirsty. So you go for a beer. It's incredible. It's, really. it's just like he yeah. keeps you drinking. And, um, and all it's, it's just, I really hadn't given much thought to the fact that there is a huge increase in young drinkers with liver problems. Yeah. Uh, and, and how 
there's a lot more social anxiety with the younger, younger generation nowadays, you know, mm-hmm. because, sure. you know, internet, social media, feelings of inadequacy on social media. People, oh yeah. You know, people, people are drinking a lot and it's causing this huge uptake in uh, liver issues with young people. It, yeah. That just kind of blows your mind. It, it's really sad. Uh, I, one of the ways I think a lot of people these days though are, are starting to, um, they're starting to treat their anxiety and sleep is with CBD. Right. Did you like that segue? Yeah, that was perfect. I was wondering how to get from that paragraph yeah. to the next one. And there you go. Except now that I've, we're talking about it, it totally ruins the That's segue. Okay. The fact That's okay. I pointed we're not it professionals. Out. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> CBD, um, I've recently been, uh, trying some CBD and, uh, I think, uh, Mike has tried it in the past. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Big um, bong rips. Big bong. <laughs> well, it's weird because they, they sell it and, uh, in, in like smokable form, which just looks like weed. And then they have oils. Well, it's, it's hemp. Yeah. So you can, you can smoke it. You can buy the flower at Utopia, the head shop that we've mentioned in the past. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's, the it, flower, looks like put a, some it looks like a bud right? and you just can put it in a bong and smoke it. It I just think doesn't get you high. A, I think it's actually called a love rose. It's like any, it's, it's like any word. beer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like talk about segues. Talk about segues. But wait, I would never drink an NA beer. Let's not go on. Go on. Let's not leave CBD just yet. No, we're not done. I want to hear what your experience was because I bought it in vape form. Yeah, and use and I got like a deal. I got five vapes for like thirty dollars, and then I smoked one and realized I hate vaping because it makes my lungs feel like ground glass. So uh, as you you take a pull of that vape, I got a new device too. Yeah, um, Uh, but. Did it um, relax you or? You know, it's interesting. I don't know if it was the placebo effect or if it was the CBD effect. Right. Or if it was just the effect of taking smoke into my lungs. And as an ex-smoker, did it did it trigger that feeling of smoking is a relaxing thing yeah. for me? I really don't know. Because I've also taken the oil and usually yeah. that just gives me the shits. Really? You know, and, but I've eaten. The, it's all about quality. I've eaten life. the gummies. The gummies, you yeah. Know, tried. And, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's nothing obvious, right? Yeah. It's weird because, you know, I, I've, I've been constantly in search of, um, something that I can, that could help me with some of my anxiety and sleep problems without resorting to pharmaceutical drugs or, um, or alcohol and stuff like that. Cause those things really just screw my life up, you know? So I'm always looking and I, and I realize that maybe the ideal thing, or maybe not, is to really just be able to meditate and completely control your emotions and just be on top of your feelings all the time. Um, I find that very difficult. And, and have actually, you ever tried to meditate when you're in a fucking rage? Because I have. <laughs> no, it, I have. It, it really doesn't work. work. You, you know? just sit there go, <laughs> just building yourself into a hate spiral, an anger spiral. <laughs> yeah. I mean, meditating is great. But the bottom line is I've been looking for something like a valerian root or <laughs> melatonin. Another thing that doesn't work. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I saw, I said, I'm going to try CBD because I was taking Advil PM for a little while, for a Ooh, couple of months. That stuff's and, um, bad for you. Just because I really do have sleep issues, but I'm not getting prescribed anything, so... Uh, but then I, I did, I wasn't feeling good after a little while and I, I had to find something else. So I found this CBD that's oil that is made specifically to help you sleep. And, um, and I ordered it and I tried it. Um, and it really felt like no other CBD I had tried in the past, this particular one, I tried it in the past and I took 
copious amounts of it and felt nothing. How do you take it? Is it oil? It's an oil, yeah. like in a dropper, right. and it goes under your tongue. doesn't taste like anything. Yeah. And uh, I noticed a really uh, you know, significant effect, hmm. which for me is real because, you know, I've taken some pretty hard shit. And, um, you I got know, any more of that stuff? <laughs> I do. I have a whole <laughs> bottle of it. And, um, and so I've been, I started taking it to help sleep. And it's not one of those things like, it's not like drinking alcohol where you take a drink and all of a sudden you feel fuzzy. It's like, it's very subtle and, um, it goes under your tongue. And then about a half an hour, hour later, when I normally go to bed, um, I just, I fell asleep and I slept straight till like five thirty, mm. which for me is completely unheard of. Um, I a hundred percent of the time wake up every two hours or less, um, for just because I don't know why I usually have to pee or something. And that's my biggest problem. So after doing this for a couple of days, I was sleeping pretty well. And then my, my wife noticed, uh, by the way, and she's aware of it. I'm not doing anything under you sneaking know, CBD in the bathroom, sneaking going on. Um, you know, cause I, frankly, I don't think it's a, something I should need to hide. It's not like, uh, in any case, and she thought I was like laughing too much in the morning. She's like, you know, I don't know if it's that stuff you're taking, but <laughs> you know, cause I'm watching the Simpsons with my son like early. Cause I don't usually get up that early cause yeah. I haven't slept and cracking up. And, um, and I'm like, did I relapse? Like, you know, <laughs> did I get high? Am I like high? You know, do I have to start my day count over? Um, yeah, I don't think so. You know, I thought about it a lot. I mean, I mean, what do you think off the bat is like, if, if you get, you know, a little tired and relaxed from taking CBD oil, is this, you know, have I completely relapsed? Is this a start your clock over? Do I have to feel bad about this? Like, I don't know what to do. And since I don't have a sponsor, I am bringing it well, to you. Uh, are you taking it to get high? I'm taking it to sleep better. Yeah. So does that mean I'm getting high? No, I guess. I don't think so. I don't know. I feel, I feel like, well, okay. So if it's affecting me the next day, if she feels, is it though, do you think it is, or is, is your wife just like hypersensitive to the fact that you're taking something that's derived from marijuana and she's looking to see if it's maybe creating some effect in you that you should be careful with. That could, that could be, there could be something to that and any kind of objection she has to stuff like that. I totally understand. And I do not begrudge her. Those feelings. But is this, because um, CBD comes from, okay, so it's legal in all 50 states now, yeah. except maybe Missouri, but mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so it can't have any more than 0.03% THC in it. Right. Um, so if you get the isolate, there's zero THC in it. Mm-hmm. If you get the full spectrum, it maybe has that little little bit. So that's you know almost like. Full spectrum or isolate. It's full spectrum. All right. So maybe you're getting a little THC in there. Yeah, probably. And, you know. At 0.03% in a 12.5 milligram dropper. It's nothing. It's almost like homeopathy. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel a little more relaxed in general. But you don't feel high like you smoke pot. No. There's no high feeling. It's just, I feel like it could be that I slept better for the past three or four days. Or, you know, does taking CBD like that, you know, it's stay, I know like cannabinoids, love that word, cannabinoids, can stay in your system a long time. So am I microdosing THC right now? Oh, and, you maybe. know, is it having a, an overall like effect on my mood? And um, I feel less manic for sure. I don't know I, if it works that way though. I don't know. Right? Like, 
That's the problem that's with how, trying like to S, be your own like, pharmacist. Like SSRIs, <laughs> like have to reach a certain level in the bloodstream before they really start yeah. working. You know. So I mean, I'm. But I'm you took feeling, it one night and then you went to sleep, right? I took it at yeah. night and went to sleep that night. What's the brand? I mean, if you if you don't want to mention it, it's uh, fine. But I'm I I'm do. curious because there's so many different. I have it in brands. the bathroom here because um, <laughs> I accidentally he <laughs> bringing it to work now, huh? I got two you of sleeping them. Sleeping at work. I got one free because the guy. <laughs> Wait a minute, Nat. Now <laughs> I got to go back. I, I have two, but it, it came free because he he sent me one and it didn't come in the mail. Who is this guy? Uh, he owns. <laughs> should I uh, pop his website? What is it? Uh, I don't remember the name of this website. Um, I think the brand is three G is it three G maybe three C H I. Okay. And it's the sleep CBD blend. Is it, um, is there any, are there any other herbs in it or is it just the oil? Um, because do you want me to get it? Do you want me to grab it? Yeah. Let All me right. just pause for a minute. I'm curious. Okay. I got, I got the bottle in my hand. 500. Milligrams hmm. of three chi CBD oil, and it's got hemp extract, oh MCTs, which are uh, medium chain triglycerides, vitamin E, and terpenes. Yeah, you know what? You know who knows what their sleep focused terpene blend. So who knows what their quality control is at this place? I mean, there may be a little, it's very, a little something something that slipped through into your into your bottle of CBD oil. It's a very reputable company. How do I know that? Because their website says so. Yeah, of course. How did you, how did you find the website? Um, just a straight Google. I mean, my personal feeling it. is that uh, CBD does not. But you know, I'm I'm always I'm a big softie about weed to begin with. So but you're not one of those guys that would drink like a, a non-alcoholic beer, though. I mean, you Fuck would. Yeah, you wouldn't last do night that. At the Hurricane Grill. You did. <laughs> I, did. I have to admit, I knew that, and I, I was sort of setting you up. Um, it was a it was a Heineken zero zero. I think we're losing all credibility right now with this segment. <laughs> I, I feel like nobody is going to listen to anything we say now that it's been revealed. Listen, you know, there's there's a lot of people that have used marijuana as a bridge between alcoholism and, and sobriety from alcohol and then drop the marijuana like, like I did. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that um, in certain social situations like the idea of having a a non-alcoholic beer in their hand. They do. Um, and then there's people who just kind of miss the idea of kicking back with a beer. Because um, it tastes so great. It, it, it actually, I like the taste of beer. <laughs> and it's weird You've because... You've acquired the taste. Uh, exactly. I've acquired the taste of beer. So I ordered one last night and it was very weird because I usually don't. I think the last NA beer I had... Did was you feel guilty a little bit ordering A it? little bit. Mostly because I was sitting next to my father-in-law who's been in AA for 30 years <laughs> and he's been sober for 30 years. Yeah. And I saw his eyes like imperceptibly widen yeah. when, when the waitress put the thing down in front of me. So I, care, I, I carefully spun it. So the label was facing him. So he would see <laughs> yeah. that it was zero. And he picked up as, as a good alcoholic would, he picked up right away that it was 0.0. He goes, Oh yeah. Heineken makes a non-alcoholic beer. He's like, yep. wow, that's going to be amazingly yep. popular. You For know? A long but time. he was silently judging me. I can of tell course. because you know, they, AA says you should not, uh, that non-alcoholic beers for non-alcoholics, right? And that's, <laughs> exactly. Like the, it's definitely the feeling I got in uh, my time in AA was that, um, not only is it frowned upon, but if somebody in the room 
talks about it, you know, or like says something about it without knowing that it's a rule yeah. that, you know, uh, right. the, the, they get the looks the, the they looks. get, man, yeah. like, well, what are you dumb? Like, you don't know that that's not something you should do. Like, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of silly. I mean, there's more, there's more uh, residual alcohol in a ripe banana than there is in a, in, in a, in a non-alcoholic beer. And, you know, I have probably a six pack of them in my refrigerator <laughs> from like six months ago. Because I just, it never occurs to me to drink one because usually I like to drink other things. But I don't think I want my son coming to your house, frankly. <laughs> but I finished it last night and-, and the You couldn't wa- stop, could wa- you? I couldn't. The waiter came by and said, do you want another one? And I said, no. And then I turned to my father-in-law and I said, see the difference? The difference is I can drink one of these and I don't want 10 more. Right. <laughs> and I don't know if he thought I was calling him out or whatever, but he was he was cool with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think definitely- uh, So I, I don't think- I'm on the fence. I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even occur to me- that that would be something I would need to reset my sober counter on. Well, I, I mean, I mean I think, I may, every time I eat a banana, I may as well reset. I think I'm saying it right now. I think you should restart your clock. <laughs> okay. Um, why don't we get uh, some opinions from you guys out there? If you think that either of us should reset our um, our sober clocks, I want you to let us know. Uh, MiddleAgesRecovery.com. You fill out that contact form. Yeah. Hopefully it works or get us on Facebook. And um, I want to know. I'm just going to say as a, as a parting thing on this segment, um, if you feel like it would be an issue for you, just don't do it. Don't drink a non-alcoholic yeah. beer. Don't, you know, mainline CBD like Nat's doing at right. home. Yeah, just don't do any of that stuff. You should, you know, you know th- this is professionals at work here. Yeah. I mean, you I know, know, what works for me may not work for thee, right? No. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I'm doing research and that's the way I like convince myself that everything is okay. You when know, we go off the air. I'm taking this under my tongue. Yeah. I'm going to take a drop or full. Take a shirt. drop. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's very, you no, know, I don't need to sleep right now. I well, probably should stay awake probably for just a couple make more hours. A little, uh, little drowsy. Well, I'll tell you if it makes me high. Yeah. That's yeah. what and then I'll, then you'll have a, and you will. Now you're N equals one. You could be N equals two. We'll figure it out. All so right. I don't know if you want to skip over accountability because we're at one minute and one second and because that could be a topic in and of itself. Yeah. So we're going to do accountability another time. And I think we've had a pretty robust uh, discussion today. I think we, we had a lot of pent oh, up. Definitely robust. You know, yeah. v- robust. And I feel like we should do recovery in the news. Yeah. Recovery in the news. I got, I got the board back. So, article in the New York Times this week. Um, <laughs> October 27th. Um, headline is, this addiction treatment works. Why is it so underused? So, uh, it starts off giving the story of this guy who was addicted to crack for 32 years, which Jesus. I might add is a long <laughs> fucking time. The fact that he's still alive is a fucking miracle. How could you keep that up for that long? Yeah, I don't know. But um, anyway, he goes... Um, to a clinic twice a week to provide a urine sample. I don't know if that's, you know, a voluntary thing or somebody else is making him do it. But, um, and uh, if his urine sample is free of drugs, he gets to put his hand into a fishbowl and pull out uh, a piece of paper. And on half of those slips of paper, there is an encouraging message like, good job, um, nice job not smoking crack this week or something. But on the other half are vouchers for prizes worth between one and a hundred dollars. So, uh, it's like a gamble, right? You stick your hand in there, you either get a good job or you get a hundred dollars. Um, the treatment is called contingency management because it rewards the rewards that it dispenses are contingent 
upon you staying abstinent. You look very confused. Yeah. Um, let me get this straight. So, okay. I'm reading this again. Cause we have, so he's, he goes to like an outpatient clinic. Right. Pee in the pee in the thing, right? Which I've done if a thousand clean, times. You get to you you get a it's prize? like you get a, you go to the prize box. We're like, what's in this mis- yeah. mystery box? You either and you put your hand <laughs> in there, car. and it's like you either pull out um, a, a, a little saying that says "good job," or you could stand a chance of getting a hundred dollars, like magnum sized studded condoms, yeah. you know. Or well, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what they do in Philadelphia. <laughs> That's um, interesting. So, a number of clinical trials have apparently found this contingency management treatment highly effective in getting people to stop using stimulants like cocaine and methamphetamine to stay in treatment and stop using drugs. That's now, really I don't know what you think about that, because to me, that seems almost impossible to believe. Like, Yeah, I mean... Unless you are really down the road in your recovery enough that... It's, you, you know, it's I've just, heard of places paying addicts to stay clean. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, this is, this, is, this is that, basically. I mean... Look, if it actually does work, and look, it is in the New York Times, so say what you will about the old gray lady, but uh, I still trust the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And usually everything is pretty on the level. Um, I don't see why it shouldn't work. I mean, if you're saying that just in the most acute cases uh, that it wouldn't work and that these should be someone who have already been to, you know, rehab maybe, and they're just having trouble staying clean. Right but they're able to put three or four days together at yes. a time. I don't think it would work if you just did it out of the box because you no. just grab the, the money and, and go score drugs with it. And exactly. which of course you put your finger right on the objection, which is some treatment providers who are wary of giving prizes say that they patients could just trade them for drugs. Uh, this one guy who was a pastor and the outreach coordinator at Woodhaven, a residential treatment center in Ohio said, unless you're at the point where you can say I can make a good decision with this $50, it's counterproductive. Well, I think it goes along with the uh, the notion that when you go to these places, you're given tools uh, to cope and to stay clean. And just like a, a screwdriver, you can either use it to, you know, to fix something, to screw something, you know, together, or you can use it to stab a gas station attendant in the neck to rob him for right. crack money. Right. Um, so it's one of two ways you can use a screwdriver. Yeah, right. I, I'm sure there are other ways too, but those are the two that came to mind. Well, and, and then there's a moral objection. Um, uh, yes. Of course, there's a moral, moral objection <laughs> to the idea of rewarding someone for staying off drugs. Um, Why? Like, I don't understand. That. I don't either. Why not? Publicly them? funded programs like Medicaid, uh, that's the reason they give for not covering that sort of treatment. That is very interesting. Bullshit, if you ask and, me. But, um, you know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a definitely interesting story. It's something uh, we sh- we're going to follow closely with our beat reporters on the uh, on the scene. And um, do you want to talk about Trump and Biden, or are we we getting long in the tooth? Um, it's just there's actually, by this by the time yeah. our next episode drops, the election will be over. Which it is will. So everybody go out and vote. I have a very big announcement. I just got confirmation. We are we have an ad going out. On a very popular oh, we do. podcast, oh, great. Uh, the Dopey Podcast. We are we got an ad spot. It is going to run on their show tonight. Um, so I'm very curious. Uh, Dave from Dopey messaged me that it did run over a minute, but it's in the show. And <laughs> it wasn't I'm, that much over a minute. <laughs> so I'm very excited to, to uh, reach out to the Dopey Nation um, that uh, we're members, and um, I'm really uh, really looking forward to seeing. 
uh, how that turns out. So Great. stay tuned to Dopey. Um, to hear our ad. Hear our ad. It's, it's of course, if you're listening to us now, you are not the target audience. Right. We, <laughs> so uh, that was Recovery in the News. Um, okay, very excited about that. And now, this week in weird. Whoops! Come on, I'm a little rusty. <laughs> Let's do it again. This week in weird. On a very special Halloween edition. Oh yeah. Of this week in weird, um, bizarre burning mystery object crashes in the Dominican Republic. A puzzling piece of footage circulating online shows a massive mysterious object that crashed to the ground in the Dominican Republic. A video from the aftermath of the weird incident was posted to YouTube on October 8th. Hmm. And the description indicates that the curious event took place earlier that day. Where exactly in the country the curious crash occurred is uncertain, as are most other details surrounding the case. In the footage, a group of bewildered bystanders surround the object, which appears to be metallic, sports a series of nodules, and sits in a cloud of smoke. Um, is that the coronavirus? Yeah, I I love these articles and when they use the word bewildered. Yeah. I think uh, the funniest part of uh, these reports is the bewildered bystanders. Um, very interesting. There's a lot of stuff happening in the UFO um, movement, so to speak. The uh, UFO movement. Is that like the... <laughs> Women's rights movement. It, the, it's like you UFO know, the, suffrage. We're, we're all trying to get disclosure from uh, our government, and it looks like we're getting it. Um, search the New York Times. I want a smoking gun uh, or a smoking whatever this thing is. I'm telling you, that uh, documentary I sent you just came out called The Phenomenon. Oh, right. I got to watch The that. Smoking yeah. Gun. Well, you can't watch it and not change the way you think I don't about know. it. I heard the stuff with Harry uh, Reid when Harry it came Reed, out a little while ago. Um, and you know, uh, they're very circ- they kind of talked around the whole issue. Yeah, it's, you got to watch this. Right. This this uh, has, uh, So anyway, that's uh, this week in weird. Keep your eyes to the skies. Okay. All right. So look, we had a great show. I'm happy with the show. Did you want to add anything special before we wrap it up? Nothing. Okay. Well, everybody, especially all of the new... Um, <laughs> Quit being mad at me and just love me again. Okay, Dr. <laughs> Phil, we're going to do that. <laughs> Welcome to all the new listeners we got from Dopey, hopefully. Um, get us on Facebook, Twitter. Tweet us at twat you twit. And also, as so gross. <laughs> yes, visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. Submit your story for the new segment we're doing. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. That's progress, not perfection. And see you next week, guys. Happy, good.